This is exactly right. <laughs> are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks, my guest and co-host. He's pulling double duty. You know him from the uh, We Watch Wrestling podcast. Uh, you know him from Monday Night Beers. I know him from the Monday, Monday Night Beers golf balls he's given me. He's, the, uh, he's very knowledgeable about merch. We know that going in. Uh, he also is the uh, husband of uh, Georgia Hartstark from uh, My Favorite Murder. Karen's other podcast. Everyone, put your hands together for Vince April. Oh my God, man! Way to way to put me over. Thank you. Oh, of course. Yeah, I. I mean, that was all up. That's just knowledge I have off the top of my head. Oh, well, I'm glad you didn't have to read it. You know. No, no. God forbid. You can always tell when someone's reading. Uh, my reading uh, comprehension is not. Uh, I never. I was watching a movie the other day, and I know they still do this. And it blows me away when they still uh, think we weren't thrown off by a 555 number in a movie. But they, uh, if someone is reading something, they read it out loud. And it's always so very awkward. Yeah. Even in a I was well just, done drama. I was just watching something the other day where I was like, this seems like it's too like high of a budget for them to not have paid for a real phone number. Or like, you know, because it just does. It cheapens it immediately. You're like, wait a minute. What am I watching? A Rockford Files? Yeah, lately they have been. They've they've they they take the time. Someone in production goes and I don't know purchases a phone number a just burner. so we aren't t- taken out of the story. Because yeah. I hear that five five five, and I'm like, what is it? Nineteen eighty. But I will say, in the same way that my cursive writing has suffered over the years, uh, when I do need to read out loud, which is very sparingly, maybe there's a a child around or it's a you know a funeral or something, I do find that my ability to read out loud has diminished a little bit. It's a little harder than just reading in my head. Yeah, for one, I've gone blind in the past year. It's a serious. I it continues to decline. I should probably see an eye doctor but yeah i get i get really nervous even just now uh just announcing something something other than comedy or off the top of my head or or being uh, in front of people like it at the beginning of a comedy show there's times where the club has been like oh uh our regular guy isn't here can you introduce yourself Mm. and i get so nervous for that not the show but just saying, hey, everyone, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> well, tonight we have tonight's guest. Uh, and it's also me, but it's going to be me in a minute. Yeah. Put your hands to, like I I uh, I absolutely lose it. It's, I have no. It's second only to when you, like you're you are in charge of hosting and someone gives you a joke to bring them up on. Like this guy. Works as a state trooper during the day, but don't worry, you don't got to put your weed away. And it's just like, I don't want to, people are going to think I'm making that joke. I don't want to do your shitty joke to bring you up. Can I just say clubs and colleges or something? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. When I first started in Austin, I was nervous uh, to go to the open mic. My my very first couple of times, I went up and for some reason, I I guess because I had grown a mustache, I went up as an off-duty police officer. I thought that would be... (laughs) 
and all of my all my jokes were cop puns about Miranda rights. I went a, met a woman named Miranda. Everyone though thought I was an actual cop. <laughs> I had everyone convinced that I was a police officer, and then I started showing up in my plain clothes. And they're like, "Are you still an officer?" And I'm like, "That was." A joke, please. I, I think there there would be some value to a thesis being done where there's exit interviews at comedy clubs, because I feel like you'd find that people were like, no, I thought that was all from the top of his head. Or I thought he really does shake babies or like just I just think that a lot of times people believe shit you're saying <laughs> and you don't even realize it. Yeah, especially now, every comic is supposed to be open about themselves and telling the truth and telling stories about their actual life. But when I started. I just wanted it to be bizarre, non sequitur. I wanted to be like Mitch Hedberg, even yeah. though I didn't know who he was in the beginning. But as the more I'm like, I, I don't want anyone to know anything about my real life. This is an escape. Right. But yeah, I don't you don't see that as much anymore. Yeah, you know? there, there does seem to be that school of thought where if you're not like pulling open a wound, you're not really, you know, giving it your all or something. Yeah, it's it's a new thing to the point where. I, when I do stand up, I do my old style where I tell ridiculous, uh, non sequitur, you know, unrelated jokes. And then at halfway through my set, I'm like, okay, these are actually stories about my life. So I'm done lying now. <laughs> Here's the truth segment, yeah. which is, I, I've gotten away with it, but I gotta, I don't know if I need to make a decision to stop lying or. If I can just keep doing that, divide it right down the middle. That's well. That's what I maybe doing. you don't have to choose. You know, maybe not. Maybe I just leave them confused about who I really am. I think that's okay. I am. Uh, I'm very pleased to see that even off duty, off the golf course, you still rock the headband, which deserves to be rocked at all times. So there's nothing. You know, I'm not saying anything there. Vince and I have gotten to know each other through golf. Something that. Uh, Yes. And I wear my goal has been and I think I've told you this. I'm not going to dress like a golfer. For some reason, I'm embarrassed to tell people I've been golfing so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's because my mom always saw it as a waste of water and everything. The way I was raised like it wasn't a, a, a pro golf house, household, even though my dad ended up being a golfer. But I don't want to wear the clothes. And so I've been. uh you know, just Googling 80s tennis wear. Yeah. I think that's, that's the look I want. I'm not going to dress like a skateboarder. Another thing I used to be embarrassed and didn't talk about, but now it's cool. <laughs> now that I'm in my 40s, skateboarding is cool. You're no longer being beat up for it outside of the shop and stop or whatever. Yeah, it used to be. You go to the shop and stop <laughs> with your crew. Mine was the Front Street Mob. And you just wait for... Uh, for trucks filled with angry cowboys to uh Dude, even in suburban detroit i remember uh you know skating in the kroger parking lot and more than once a dude in a pickup truck literally like coming through the lot trying to run somebody over or at least make you think he was gonna yeah if i knew and they would say terrible things to us and uh and now it's been replaced by a a, a pickup truck even the last time i was in montana uh, things have changed so much that the new heckle from a from a cowboy in a truck is do a kickflip. That's what they yell now. The most encouraging, like, oh, I'll try. Thank you. I do also have a little. I mean, I I guess I I stop short of calling it shame, but there does seem to be a stigma in my mind around golf too. I don't. I've just started in the last whatever six or eight months, and I, yeah, it's not something I go around being like, yeah, so I'm golfing now. I got my own bag, and like, it. There's just something about it that feels like it's not everyone is is going to be on not not to the level of like pro wrestling where I had to keep that in in the shadows for a long totally, time. Totally, yeah. But I've just yeah, I, I have these activities where I'm like, nah, I don't need to tell anybody about that right now. No one cares about that. And the problem is, I'm thinking about it so much now. Uh, that I want to talk about it and I have to make myself not talk about it. The the saving <laughs> grace there has been I'm rarely around anyone. I have not adjusted oh, to yeah. <laughs> uh, America thriving again. Right. Uh, other than going to skate parks and golfing. So, uh, to the point where the, I think the first time I showed up in like a polo shirt 
just sort of by chance. And I think like right away, CJ was like, oh, this guy's got the full golf kit on now. And I was like, fuck, I don't want, like, that's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I don't want to look like I a know. golfer, man. I just want to hit the ball a little bit. I'm telling you, I, I am going 80s tennis with it. Yeah. I just, that's a look that I'm nostalgic for. I literally Googled uh, Andre Agassi. Uh, headband and then I just shorts and everything. I mean, I'm, yeah. I have a lot of it in my queue here. I'm just waiting to some of that uh, nice I, light lycra, some some neon colors. Yeah, a lot of it used. So <laughs> when I wear it, I'm activating some dead tennis player's body odor. But, uh, you know, that's all part of the experience. Uh, this headband belonged to my friend's mother. I believe it was meant for skiing in the 80s but uh oh you actually procured yeah. that from a friend oh yeah yeah and then modeled uh my look mm. after this headband so i i have uh i have uh justin croft's mother to thank for that <laughs> you were just bumping around the crib and said hey is anybody still using this or what the, how do you find your mother's uh or her, it's his mother it's I I've met my buddy. He's from Montana and uh, I've been going. He lives in Santa Barbara now in the mountains. When anyone is frustrated that they can't get a hold of me, it's because I'm at Justin's cabin that does not have. I mean, it's a nice house, but it doesn't have Wi-Fi or uh, phone service. So I call it a cabin okay. because of that. But uh, yeah, sometimes I get nervous when friends my age uh are willing to suddenly give things away every time i go there he's like do you want this hat do you want this bike do you, it, it makes me worried that they're saying goodbye in some way i'm like wait what's going on i don't know if i can accept this how have you been feeling are you happy yeah uh, but yeah he, we've just been giving each other things i gave him a painting he's like oh, my mom used to wear this headband here you go and it did, it did mean a lot because it was his mom's. But yeah, up little at, did he know up at the cabin, I molding just, my. Uh, I, I picture the okay. you know the the chest like when uh, Chevy Chase gets stuck in the attic in uh, Christmas Vacation, and there's just his mom's old clothes, some old movies, headband is procured. Yeah, yeah. So looking through a photo, I have a chest here that I am scared to open. I don't know why. I brought it up from the garage. It's inconveniently in my kitchen. And I have yet to open it because sometimes I don't want to be confronted by memories. But you know, some of your some personal belongings or otherwise artifacts from your life are in there. Yes, photos. Man, I, I brought it up for the photos and the old artwork. When I uh, I was I used to do illustrations for this aptitude test in in Texas, the toss test. Very strange, specific drawings. Where they uh, they wouldn't tell me what the question was. It would just be like, we need a fifth grade Asian boy checking a water meter on a fence and with a bird <laughs> next to him. And I'm like, OK, so I would draw these really specific drawings, never knowing what the word question was about. So and what I look at these drawings now and they are hilarious and I want to compile them in some way yeah. or add add speech balloons or something wait so there's oh, so random so would you have like a week to complete that or would it be like here's 10 yeah. of them okay yeah yeah totally they'd give me like 10 and I'd, I'd i'd be on the road and i'd bring uh these drawings with me and do the or i'd uh bring the uh instructions with me and do the drawings on the road but guy i used to be such a hard worker okay so this is just a teaser of what may be in there if people want to join chris's patreon he's going to open it up that'll be the first uh bonus (laughs) for my unboxing of my memory chest (laughs) some people unbox shit they get in the mail you're just actually going to open old shit of your own that you forgot what's in (laughs) i had no idea how many cordless adult pleasure toys i had no 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 some of these were for my back some of these were definitely for just for my back yeah 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 you you never know you know scoliosis you never know when it'll hit that's why i have old purple here the the treatment has changed over the years so there's no real way of knowing i did a little research over uh of megan gailey who i thought was maybe going to be the guest today but she will be a guest uh i think right after this but in researching her i researched you and uh, there's some things I didn't know about you. Like you had a hardcore label out of high school. Yeah. I, uh, I started a label with my, um, the money from my graduation party. And, um, 
And then I, so it was me and a buddy who were doing that one specifically. And after like our first release, we immediately disagreed on what to do next. So then I started my own, which I sort of still have. There's been years of dormancy, but then more recently I've, I've done hardcore records still, but I, I occasionally will do like I did a Matt McCarthy seven inch. I'm doing Andre Dubuche's new record. Like I, so I'm sort of now doing comedy with it too, but yeah, if, uh, I was involved That's in hard. Under the same name? Yep. Capsule Records has been the same oh, name wow. since 1995 or something like that. That's so crazy. See, I, I've, I'm i only learning about your, uh, your you know, touring, manage, yeah. tour managing in the music business and everything, but I didn't know yeah. that you were, had a hardcore label. And then I when sing I did- in a hardcore band right now. Currently? As I sit here, yeah um that we have a record a seven inch that came out on new age records which is a hardcore label out of huntington beach and then we're we're starting to work on our album now that thing damn are- it why do i not know these things <laughs> do i just not listen do i not pay attention no i mean on the course you know uh, we're cracking wise about a squirrel we're talking about whose shot was terrible or more terrible and and you've gotten an, i mean i don't usually angrily thrash around swearing from the bushes i hope you know that i'm generally a happy person uh i feel bad for the the like cj and mike that have gotten to know me through golf and have seen how there's always anger under the surface with me yeah. and i've learned to curb it once it or i try to curb it once i see it surfacing i don't like throw clubs but i uh, when I was younger, I did. And that's kind of what kept me away from golf. I'm like, well, I clearly shouldn't do this if it makes me this angry. Well, and then I realized, well, I throw my skateboard and say terrible things I, during that, too. But I, I uh, yeah, I've, well, I've what's, what's to me, skateboarding. what has curbed me on the course is that there's another person who will occasionally play with us who sh- shall remain nameless. And there was a time that he played and had a meltdown. And then the next time I was with those guys, they were sort of talking about his meltdown. And so then I was like, okay, you gotta like when you, cause sometimes I'll, something will happen and I'll start to fucking spit and sputter. And I'll be like, no, 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 don't, don't do this. Or people will be talking about you in perpetuity for behaving this way. Yeah. Right. You saw that happen. Yeah. I haven't seen you lose it at all. You, you stay cool as a <laughs> cucumber cat. Just bottle it up and then go home and drink it away. Yeah. Yeah. Let it, let it surface uh, with something trivial <laughs> yes. at home yes. uh, with your, your loved one. Uh, yeah. I, I've been trying hard, especially when you're golfing with strangers. I'm like, do not do this. Do not, do not say those words do not scream them you just met this guy right but but as things begin to fall apart and then i've also seen you suffer from your bag actually falling over sometimes more (laughs) than once and it's like at that point it's it's a fucking we got a four alarm fire going here you know like how can you not be upset (laughs) i already yeah i remember specifically i was cursing myself out and then right then my bag (laughs) fell over and all the balls rolled out (laughs) and all my teas and my my uh, seltzer Ugh. spilled everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. Now it's hilarious when it, things get that bad. You have to actually you gotta laugh. pull back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I think hardcore music, though, I don't. I think I think of Straight Edge. Yeah, which I was. Okay. For a long time. Uh, is that pretty common with hardcore music? Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, uh, a sect or a portion of it. Um, yeah. is is straight edge and then there's and and I think w- there's a lot of uh styles of hardcore that kind of overlap. So right. um yeah, but but straight edge is is certainly a a population of it, you know. Uh Yeah, there it, but then there was also hardcore to me and I think I might be wrong, but it is a specific part is a band from DC <laughs> and those bands are Bad Brains, Fugazi and uh there's another one that's a key minor Who's threat. The, minor threat, yeah, is of course, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, so those are all hardcore bands. I mean, I would think when when you skated, you probably sort of at least passed by some hardcore, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. I I'm a big fan of Fugazi and very a very big fan of uh, Bad Brains, which led into me. Uh, you know, I was into other like Fishbone and this band Twenty Four Seven Spies that was kind of like a light version of bad brains yeah and uh but yeah i i didn't uh 
there wasn't like a scene that wasn't just generally punk rock right. where I knew straight edge kids. Everyone in Missoula, Montana drank at shows. Like yeah. Drinking was a big part. And I think there was always older guys that that uh, were sober sitting in the back somewhere. Uh, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know much about hardcore as a separate. Because it's also like to me, like punk and hardcore, they do sort of, you know, intertwine because like like some of the bands that are considered like skate rock like agent orange or the faction like yeah that to me it's like that that's still hardcore even though it's it's like a little more melodic and it and it like the style is is different in some ways but but that's the thing it's like when you start to try to figure out what everything is sometimes you know it's it becomes difficult to and the only way i ever learned about i mean you don't see this kind of music when you're a kid on MTV I learned I learned about these bands from skate videos that I would right. acquire or order uh, on VHS and that's how I Faction is the one with Steve Caballero yep. right Steve Caballero was in the Yeah yeah all that I didn't I would just record from the TV <laughs> I would play these tapes on a VCR hold up a tape player and record it and then I'd play that recording with the sounds of skateboarding along with it uh, from a from a boombox in front of my house. And that was that was it. Yeah. So ridiculous that that's how I, I mean, learned it, about you had to you had to do what you had to do because you either had like an older brother or someone else's brother or friend who had a tape of of stuff that they were dubbing out or you held it up to the VCR or on the rare occasion that you had like a weirdo. Um, radio station you could then do the old you know put the tape in and try to hit the song when it's on kind of thing but. yeah i didn't i'm so lucky that i had an older sister that so a lot of what she was turning me on to which is what i truly liked and much like golf i didn't talk to my friends about it because they were listening to poison and stuff like that sure. but i was listening to the cure depeche mode all that stuff an older sister would hand down to you but also she did uh, which she thought she needed to do, which is, hey, here's a band that I like, uh, you know, Big Audio Dynamite or Public Image Limited. They have these harder bands that I'm not as into, but I think you'll like, right. you know, The Clash and and uh, The Sex Pistols. And so well, she turned me on to that without actually being a fan. She she was a good curator of music for me yeah. so i was lucky yeah you have to have an older sibling or access one of the i mean this is a generalized statement but one of the negatives kind of around hardcore at least in my experience and i don't think i'm alone is that it would become very narrow in like what was accepted you know what yeah. you wore what you listened to what you did this and that um and so like led zeppelin is my favorite band of all time and i was coming into hardcore with all these other things and so i remember like my first year of college with the dude who i started the original label with like there were certain records that i just i would i had in another area and if he was out i might play him but it was not gonna be it like where if you're flipping through my shit you're gonna be like oh what's this you know like because you can still come under fire when you're fucking like in college for like liking the wrong thing it's insane oh yeah all my buddies in college that turned me on to things like uh pavement and built to spill and all that stuff that at the time we called emo music but that turned into something completely right. different i don't mean like afi and the scream <laughs> right 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 melodic scream rock but yeah. uh whatever you call that indie you know, i guess just indie rock. indie yeah. rock yeah uh, I privately was listening, yes, to Faith No More and <laughs> Mr. Bungle and all this uh, and and all my, you know, Cocteau twins and stuff like that, which I still you know what? That's probably my go to now. Yeah. Melodic, like uh, shoegazy, uh, shoegaze music yeah. or whatever it's called that uh, the Sundays and stuff like that. And I'm I'm just open about it now. I let people know. I like melodic lady music. Uh, I just love it. It's so funny. I don't know if you remember, there was like this DJ from the UK in the mid to late nineties, Rony size. And uh, he was like big for a hot minute. I don't even know what, if you'd call it drum and bass or whatever. And so, you know, I'm starting to like, just get into other stuff. And I was at this Rony size show in Detroit. And all of a sudden I like run into this, you know, big hardcore dude and he's like oh my buddy uh 
he he my buddy like got me in here or whatever and i'm like dude i'm in here there's no more yeah, need yeah. to make any excuses. We're both in the room. Like what? <laughs> you didn't see me walk in. You're fucking in and I'm in. It's fine. Like who cares? Yeah. He's like, oh, well, it's normal that you're here, but you probably look up to me. So I should explain why I'm here because I should be above this. Right. Yep. I'm three years older than you. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. Absurd. Yeah. But I, yeah uh, you just got to fucking, you know, it was all the people who were who were willing to do whatever the fuck they wanted at, at any stage of life were always the coolest, no matter what ridicule they would take, you know? Yeah. Even my buddy, James, that, uh, I, I worked with in Austin. He was a screen printer at, uh, a shop where I did the art. He, uh, he, we became friends really quickly and he was in a lot of eighties, uh, Vegas, uh, punk bands. Oh, okay. The, like one of his drummers in this band Dropkick was the drummer in DRI. Okay. It was it was like this crossover, which is the name of a DRI album. But there was that time where it was like he was in he had long hair and he looked like a metalhead, but mm-hmm. he was in all these punk bands. And he talks about how he had to hide his love of of you know rock yeah. things like Zeppelin, which to this day he totally is into right so he would seem punk rock because he's in all these punk rock bands i think it's always been a thing where you have to hide what you really like seven seconds your... right they were from vegas do you remember seven yeah, seconds uh, he has tons of he was also in a band called 5150 and he had all these flyers and seven seconds was all over those yeah all over those flyers and in, in dri but man talk about a guy with stories, every story he would tell me because of the era and because it's Vegas, it made me think of that. What's that movie with Matt Dillon? One of his early movies where everyone's riding on BMX bikes. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, only is Over the Edge. Over the Edge. Yeah. yeah. That was his childhood. Everything. <laughs> he's like, as a teenager, he's like, yeah. And then my friend stabbed someone and yeah. he went to prison and. Yeah. There's an HBO documentary about him. <laughs> and I watched this documentary and the guy was a scary murderer, but it was his punk rock friend when he was little. He just said he changed a lot over time. Apparently. <laughs> but, Apparently. but yeah, Vegas, I just hearing his stories, it made me really glad I didn't grow up as a kid in Sin City. Oh. You know, I can't imagine what I mean, even when you, you know, uh, go there now and you sort of travel out of the strip, like maybe even just going to the airport or over. I'm always yeah, like, yeah. what is this like? Yeah, you know? I don't. Yeah. Are you a Vegas guy? Do you like I, gambling? And- yes, I do. But I, but I'm like, uh, I need about maybe 48 hours maximum like i don't okay i don't need to be very long man i'll, I'll come in and i and do everything i need to do at, at its maximum and then i need to get out so it's like right. i like it every once in a while for a very short period yeah i think i should get into it on some healthy level just so i have something to do when i'm there or i used to be there a lot yeah uh for an old job writing job i had we'd go to events there like uh, and I'd interview people, but then at night I'm like, I don't know what to do here. I am, I am so careful with money. Yeah, I'm not cheap, but I really feel bad when I slide twenty bucks over to someone. A wheel turns, and then they just take it away, and yeah. I'm confused. I would say, uh, and and you know, I don't, you know, necessarily want to get called from your sponsor when this all goes to shit for your gambling addiction. <laughs> but uh, as as an introduction, I first of all, I I never stay anywhere but downtown. Because okay. it's everything is cheaper. The gambling is cheaper. Everything's cheaper. And it's all right together. Like when you're on the strip, it's like hard to even find your way out of some of those hotels. And then you're like, I'll just go to this next one. And it's a mirage. It's like fucking half a mile walk downtown, bunch of stuff right together. And it's still kind of a little grittier. So you've got the like covered street walk where there's like people dressed up as weird shit there's just concerts going on yeah is that the old part of it is yeah. that like the old where downtown the is old vegas flamingo right? and all that uh no flamingo's on the strip but it's like gold nuggets okay. binions gold. four queens yeah okay circus circus that's where it nope circus, circus is at the end of the strip too see but it's i don't know my too. vegas i what if i keep trying <laughs> what about maybe it's a part of vegas so they got a holiday inn down there um but it's <laughs> yeah there's just like little lounges where there's just cover bands it's just a, it's just a, a much funner chiller uh 
old vibe, you know? Yeah, Cheaper. yeah, because I am, I am, I do like nostalgic Vegas. I do I, in movies and stuff. Yeah. Like I, I do like to be reminded of that, but I don't need to see Blue Man Group again. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why do you keep throwing rolls of toilet paper? <laughs> uh, stop with the drumming and. Uh, also, they scare me. The Blue Man Group, I'm going to be, I'm just going to admit, they kind of give me nightmares. Uh, Which is what you should have led with. You should have just admitted straight up that you're scared of them rather than try to take jabs like you did there. You're, you're right. <laughs> that was mean. And it was just me trying to uh, make up for the fact that I'm scared. I am scared of the Blue Man Group. They give me nightmares. And you got uh, Carrot Top up there on the strip. You've got, uh, you know, Thunder from Down Under, whatever you're, whatever you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, I do. You could do. You could keep listing them, and I'm afraid it's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> That's why you got to stay downtown, man. We, listen, the best time we maybe one of the best times we ever had downtown. Uh, me, Georgia, Jesse Pop, and um, Lizzie Cooperman. We drove because they said Gallagher is doing his final week of shows <laughs> okay. in Vegas. I very much would go see that. We go to the Gold Nugget to see what is about to unfold, and. We show up. Every light in the room is on. At a certain point, he just walks out. No, there's no announcement. No lights change. Now he's no on stage. No trampoline couch. There was like there was no trampoline couch, but there was a few other items out there. And he starts no, going watermelons. He starts going, and he's <laughs> immediately saying crazy, racist, homophobic stuff. Oh yeah. The room is like not even half full. This is Gallagher's big send off. And at a certain point we we go to leave i think i think jesse tried to stay a little longer to see what might possibly happen we, we couldn't even make it to the sludge we're going out and as the usher opens the door for us george is like this is terrible and the usher goes at least you can leave and that was oh that's the best <laughs> it was gallagher's big send-off it was terrible it was terrible but, but ultimately a great story and fun he yeah he i uh had the pleasure of working with him twice in my life oh uh, one was like a 70s reality show on MTV where they had, you know, JJ Dynamite, Jimmy Walker yeah. uh, and people. And I was just like, I played a neighbor that drove a Trans Am and played with nunchucks. And then I'd give a pop quiz to these poor kids and get them kicked off the show. It actually uh, wasn't very fun. And I was sick the whole time. But anyway, Gallagher was on an episode and the saddest part was. He was totally bald, but he would put on this hat reminiscent of his 80s days with hair uh, stapled to the inside brim of it. So he just put on this hair wig, this hat hair wig. <laughs> and uh, yeah, conversationally just went into hate speech. Mm. I'm, I mean, a lot of it was just right wing yeah. stuff that I perceive as hate speech right, the, right. the way I was raised. But also, like you said. Just straight up racist yeah. stuff. Is there a difference? I don't know. Also, <laughs> I mean, if anyone still cares or even knows who Gallagher is, I don't think people realize that he sold at a certain point, he sold his act to his brother. And so then Gallagher, too, would tour the country doing his act. Yeah, Gallagher. Yeah, he and I remember him coming to Austin and he had a Janet Jackson uh, microphone <laughs> set up like it was, yes. and a PowerPoint uh, laser pointer one night. And then one night he just tried this, uh, this collapsing antenna pointer, Yeah, but it was a very clinical uh, <laughs> PowerPoint presentation on, I believe, wordplay, mm. very boring. Uh, and, and then I thought that he got in trouble with Gallagher one, Gallagher two, maybe didn't have permission. Yeah. Well, uh, they, they are, they, I think on the seventies house show, he was also talking about his brother. He just didn't have a lot of nice things to, to say. be a fly on the wall at the Gallagher family dinner, you know, the Christmas or whatever they're celebrating over oh, there. Oh God. I am just <laughs> terrible. Silent grumbling. No one looking at each other in the eye. And then he was at Bridgetown one year. Oh, it's yes. Like, yes. He's like, oh, but all you young kids just have me here to make fun of me. And he's like, whoops, he's on to us. <laughs> he was not happy to be there. He just seemed like a really grumpy man. And yeah, if you don't know, he I think he had seven HBO specials. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, in the early days of the, the video store in Milford, Michigan, one, we'd have to rent the VCR as well. But uh, we rented oh, yeah. those Gallagher tapes, man, for sure. 
Because I used to blow my mind when I was a little kid. I'd be like, yeah, why is there a lock on the door at 7-Eleven? It's never closed. You know, shit like that. I'm just going like, this yeah, is crazy. A lot, of his, a lot of his stuff was kind of uh, thought provoking. You know, why is this? Why is yeah. this called this? And this is called yeah. this. I mean, George Carlin went through a similar phase right. with his stand up that park that on the totally driveway changed. and drive on the parkway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a Carlin bit, right? I, that's what I I couldn't remember if that was a Gallagher or Carlin I don't, I don't know either, but I just I just remember that one from what they of couldn't them. have ended up being different, uh, more different. Uh, but that as, could, you know, as, the, the driveway parkway thing could be like a couple of uh, guys that I encountered coming up in Michigan who were arguing over whose joke it was that they were calling their dick the truth. You know, you can't handle the truth. They call, and there was a little bit of heat backstage while they tried to figure out whose joke it actually was. When uh, I was thinking I, this might be a hundred people's joke, guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and none of them are the winner. <laughs> right. No, no one's no one's coming out ahead on this. But also, I think you both need to, to cut it out right now. I want to do a joke where I'm like, uh, what is a parkway? I've never heard that phrase before. <laughs> do you think that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> A British uh, freeway, maybe. Well, I think you know if you've got um, you know a nice bit of parkland, and the and the road that goes through it might be a parkway. Oh, okay, like going to the Sun Road in uh, Glacier Park. It might be a parkway. <laughs> Although, I mean, you know, the, it uh, it will actually sometimes it will have that uh, whatever you call it the the PKWY on the end there instead of RD or ST things of this nature. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's just like saying Boulevard. Right. It could be a terrace. It could be a road. It could be a. Yeah. It's just a. <laughs> it's just another made up word for for something you drive God, on. <laughs> I love when on my own podcast, I learn things. Finally, that's been bothering me. I'm not I've trying to ruin your bit, dude, but I'm trying to help you because some people might, you know, find a little break. Hey, in the logic, I'm not. You know? I'm not bailing on it. That bit's got <laughs> legs. <laughs> that, that, that bit's got. Hello, legs. Yellowstone. You have a podcast with our buddy Matt McCarthy yeah, that's right. uh, about wrestling. Mm -hmm. You've probably talked about it a lot every time you're on a podcast. But I, I, I when did you have you had a lifetime like childhood lifetime where you were into wrestling since, since yeah. probably 1985? Are you as freakishly knowledgeable as McCarthy is, where he can take any conversation and somehow weave it into wrestling? Well. So here's the thing. There's there there was a point in history. I don't know if the, if that's changed, but Matt would say that I've forgotten more wrestling than he had watched. Now I think he's definitely gained on me, and I do know more about wrestling than anything else that I that I know about. But I I think he's a little. You know, I, I touched on it before. I'm not. I'm obviously openly a wrestling fan. I love wrestling, but I don't seek to try to jam it in. So right. I, I probably have the ability, but I, I usually try to just, you know, if someone asks me, I'm happy to do a filibuster, but I don't. You're saying yeah. Matt kind of forces it. Well, I he think kind Matt of shoves it in your face. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a little more willing to. Yeah. To, to just put it in there, which is, you know, I'm not saying it's a negative, but for me, I just like I have to be very safe and comfortable before I begin to lay it and out. It, it's Tom Sibley. Is he a regular? So he, host? what it was is when we started, it, it okay. was the three of us and the yeah, dynamic thing. Yeah, he's gone. Okay. But the, but the dynamic okay. is, was at that point that he never watched and didn't know anything. Right. So he would be the right. guy who asked the questions and all that. But, um, he left a couple of years ago. He, yeah. Podcasts change. He was the equivalent of actually driving to an airport. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Things change and you find, well, yeah, let's it still work. He was the vehicle. Element. But I think um, <laughs> I think he finally realized that, you know, he had learned all he wanted to learn about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so he was. Done. He didn't want to get too deep. No, no, no. Because you can't come back. No, you can no. never return. There's you can never back. return. It's the Hotel California of sports. And as much as I love wrestling, there is, you know, plenty of times where I'm watching it going like, man, I'm really glad no one else is here. I would hate to have to explain to anybody like why I think this is cool or, you know, like there's plenty of times when it's bad, you know? Yeah, sure. it's I, I just keep those things golf and skateboarding they're my they're my private loves <laughs> i i've stopped trying to turn people on to that i will defend skateboarding 
in a way you've had to do with wrestling your whole life where I'm like, it's not for kids here. Watch this. Like I'll pull out visual aids. I'll really depending on my mood. I have shoved it down people's throats <laughs> before, but I try not to. But because uh, they asked, like for I it. said, now it's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not walking up to a conversation that's about, you know, uh, house siding or something and going like well you know uh as it relates to skateboarding you're not jamming it but if someone wants to talk shit you're there to take up for the thing that you believe in yeah speaking of vinyl siding you know for a while skateboards went made of plywood uh they used a composite oh why is everyone leaving you guys know what a slick is (laughs) i do i just uh yeah i i might have access to a slick right now actually my first real skateboard uh, you know, cause you get the, you get the, like the Nash or whatever from the toy store and then yep. you finally get to have a real deck. And my first, my first real skateboard was a Matt Hensley mini. That was a slick. Oh, see, I went for the King size. Okay. I went Matt Hensley King size. He was, Matt Hensley was one of the people I had on my wall. It seems I had like a wall of Matt Hensley at a wall of Jason Lee. Jason Lee went on to become uh, an actor. <laughs> The guy in My Name is Earl. Right. And Matt Hensley quit skating at his peak and became a billiards pro. Right. Like pool player. And then he was in Flogging Molly. So that's how people might know those guys. But I always I now I respect that both those guys retired during their peak of being good at something. Yeah. Even though when I was a kid, I'm like, why? They're so good. Why am I going to keep doing this if those guys are going to choose to quit? Now I understand. It seems like Hensley's kind of come back, though. I keep seeing him now. It seems like he's skating a little bit again. Same with Jason Lee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, at some point you get tired of being a rock star and an actor (laughs) and skateboarding perseveres. Also, I never wanted to mention skateboarding on this podcast because I assumed Karen wasn't into it. And then one day I found out that she was a closet admirer of a uh, skateboarder. I think oh. she has like a, a childlike crush on a bunch of pro skaters. And then so all of a sudden we were starting to talk about skateboarding. It was such a, there are entire episodes where we've talked about skateboarding <laughs> and the whole time my, I've, I've known her a decade and I'm like, I can't believe you know who Milton Martinez is. Like, that's how it started. She's like, I like this guy, Milton Martinez. I'm like, that is a current, wait, <laughs> what? are you, you're paying attention now? It wasn't like Tony Hawk or whatever, yeah. you know, she didn't bring up some, but yeah, with wrestling, do you stay current on current wrestling or are you more nostalgic for eighties? Uh, everything. Era, all of it. WWF? Um, I will dip, I will dip in and out. Like, like right now, WWE, it's probably the least I've watched it. Um, in the last I've few heard years because it's just gotten it's just gotten real bad um but but that's like how wrestling the theatrics is. the theatrics of it no, i think it's worst. just the, the way wrestling works right is you have to have um you know people that you can invest in you like and then there's a, a good story and you want to see the conclusion which is always you know them having of a course. fight i guess yeah. and i think that vince mcmahon who even though they have writers and everything he's he is the most hands-on with every element. He's, he's an old man and he just yeah. has lost the plot a little bit. And so now he's more concerned about like th- this pay-per-view uh, a weekend or two ago, they had zombies around the ring. So at Uh-oh. that point I'm just like, this is, you know, th- like these are two different things. Like if, if, yeah. if I want to watch zombies, I don't, I don't need to see that here, but it's like, so Vince McMahon showed up one day and said, my grandson likes zombies. <laughs> and then he went to, how are we going like yeah. to, Lauren Michaels or something like that. Those two are very similar. I've I've heard many times that uh, that they have a very similar personalities. And and so, yeah, so I think that I don't prefer that right now, but there's wrestling in Japan that I'm really into right now. Wrestling in Mexico, there's a second second company that runs on TNT. Anyway, so, yes, I'm watching current product. I always like to watch the old shit. I, I watch it all. There was a time that Jordan Morris and I, when we worked at Fuel TV, that that network that brought me to Vegas and stuff, uh, uh, we sat in for the Lucha Libre wrestling, Lucha Vavoom mm-hmm. downtown. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, yeah, what what kind of wrestling is that again? It's, well, that, that that's, yeah, it's, it's those are, uh, it's Lucha. It's Lucha. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's like just Mexican co- wrestling, Lucha, Luchadors. 
And for a segment, they had me. I was like, yeah, I'll let these guys throw me around. I thought that was a good idea. Uh, and they did not hold back. Mostly it was the slapping. I'm like, go ahead and slap me and leave hand marks. But then they started body slamming me. And if you aren't used to being thrown against ropes and then being oh, clotheslined no. uh, and you don't know how to fall. Right. I mean, uh, we, you can learn this from watching David Arquette <laughs> or his weird ass documentary. I was I I was looking into getting a neck brace. Yeah. Like when it didn't go away for a week, I had bruises. I was really messed up. Mm. Like they beat me up. That was for a separate thing. That yeah. that was. But then Jordan and I uh, commentated, guest commentated with uh, I think Tom Kinney and Dana Gould, who know how to talk about lucha right. libre wrestling without saying anything disparaging. Whereas I was just like, oh, that guy's dressed like a chicken. Let me. Yeah. Uh, let me make chicken jokes and i offended the audience by making light of the characters oh. that they were rooting for i didn't know the storylines yeah i didn't know i was just trying to be funny i'm like oh if i'm funny i'll do well with this because i i did watch it later i'm like wait that was funny why are they throwing yeah. things i did not know what i was getting myself into i was it was overwhelming it was so fun to go to that but the whole uh, crowd interaction and the whole hot rods pulling up like all the it's like a classic car show yeah. and a costume show and yeah and the effect burlesque. like the yeah the, the burlesque and just the the general like the, the presentation of it the the value is i i was blown away by it and uh but i know there's also like these underground wrestling things where you can drive out to Pocoima or whatever. Well, Reseda was the big one for a long time. Uh, Reseda was like, there's a point when I was going to Reseda once a month where I thought it was the, the highest point of the art form. Like watching everything in the world at that time, I was like the best shit that's going on right now is in Reseda. And it was the, the people they had, but also that room, this like American Legion Hall, it it felt like a hardcore show. It was like hot. It was yeah, tight. Yeah. And it was awesome. It was incredible. And slowly you start to see, you know, um, uh, Joe Manganiello's there. And then like it became a thing where it was like a hot enough ticket where people who I don't even think give a shit about wrestling. Like, um, what's that guy? Uh, that we start to see actors and shit anyway, just like yeah, show up. Yeah. But well, Ron Funches was when he moved to LA from Portland he was the one like everyone needs to go to these shows oh yeah so fun and I never made it happen I think even back then I was scared to leave the house pre pre uh virus but <laughs> I uh uh I should have gone I it for some reason correct me if I'm wrong it it was like there's more like diving off ladders onto tacks and getting hit by light bulbs and stuff well, is that element not that one but so you mentioned okay. the arquette thing like uh, in that documentary yeah. you you'll see me because during that match where he gets stabbed with a light tube i was me and matt and a couple other guys were right in the front row on the stage like we could grab the rope but i had been to enough shows where they use light tubes that i fucking I bailed out because as soon as the light tube breaks, like I don't want to breathe that it shit explodes. in. It explodes. Yeah. It's like glass powder. So so there are some promotions that are like that that run here, but the one that was in Reseda, it was just more of an athletic style. So there would be a lot of dives and stuff, but not so much yeah, like yeah. people getting stuff broken over their head or or like that kind of stuff, but um, yeah. but just super action packed and just, you know, I think someone who's only watched wrestling a little bit or hasn't watched it since the 80s would immediately see moves that you were like, like if you watch the skateboard video now, as compared to whenever you'd be like, oh shit, like yeah. I didn't even know this was possible now, you know? Kind of right, thing. right, right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's hard not to commit. I compare everything to skateboarding. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah. It always makes me, I think of the movie, The Wrestler, which I thought was really well done. Yep. And I couldn't help but to compare that with being an aging road comic, especially <laughs> when they're all in a room with catheters selling their merch. I was like, oh, God, maybe I should get a writing job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Fuel TV, uh, oddly enough, there was a movie that I, I saw on there at some point when that channel existed called uh, Little Foss and Big Halsey. And it's a uh, a Robert Redford movie, but it, it must be a movie that him or someone else has wanted to not 
have exist. Right. Because I right. saw it and I was like, holy shit. It's like it's like him and the guy from like if it's Harold and Maud or one of those, and they're like they're motorcycle racers like in the 70s. And and it's a crazy movie. And then I eventually found a like bootleg copy at Midtown Comics in New York or something, but you can't at least I haven't looked in a while, but it was like what is a, it called again? It's called it's Little Little Foss and Big Halsey. And like uh it's got fucking um uh Johnny Cash does the soundtrack. Like it, everything is in place. Wow. But but for some reason it just it it's not on DVD. Like it just doesn't it's not around anywhere. Wow. Did you did you watch it and maybe there's some off-color jokes in it or something that they're like, no, oh, we can't put it. It was like, there. I mean, there was a little bit of like so it's him and and Redford's definitely a womanizer, and it's not a very good movie. It's like a it's like a buddy movie where they they race motorcycles but there wasn't yeah. any in my recollection i haven't seen it in a while you know i don't want to you know but but i don't recall anything overtly like like what the fuck in there you know so, so you're defending this movie <laughs> no matter what a, you yeah. find i definitely am, i'm on board for all of it <laughs> yeah i want because i've always kind of been fascinated with evil can evil just because he's a stunt man and i kind of respect that uh, but he's from butte montana so i always grew up knowing that he was uh, from the town near us, uh, near Missoula. But I found in Walmart a 99-cent DVD starring uh, George Hamilton, uh, the story of Evil Knievel. And so I bought all of them. I'm like, just because it had a ridiculous-looking cover. But it, it was actually a pretty good movie, and it was shot actually in Butte. And oh. there was really specific jokes about the mining sinkholes there and and uh the, i don't know if it was a storyline they made up for the movie but he was like a robin hood guy that was robbing banks and giving it to poor people oh. in butte i don't know if there's any truth to that but as you watch it i realize oh the reason no one has seen this is they make light of sexual assault like they're the the, the, the rape word is in that as a joke so many times that uh, I was like, oh, that's why this oh, is not yeah. available anyway. It's it is riddled with things that you shouldn't and can't say. What about Love at First uh, Bite? You know that George Hamilton movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that the one with Jim Carrey? There's another. There's a no, that's once bitten. Yeah, there's a Jim Carrey <laughs> vampire movie. Yeah. Love at First Bite. George Hamilton's the most tan uh, vampire in the history of vampires you know yeah if you've been dead 300 years you're not supposed to uh you're supposed to be pale especially when you know when you hit the sack kind of early you know uh, and you stay there it's uh yeah yeah (laughs) not supposed to be getting that much but you know it doesn't mean to say that you can't use uh self-tanner or whatever right (laughs) yeah they they every vampire has their own fashion choices and maybe it was hanging upside down for a long time all the blood went to his face also a fair point yes yeah Awesome. Yeah, George Hamilton is someone that has been, I've known who that was since I was a little kid. And until you mentioned that vampire movie, and I, I don't remember why I knew who he was. Yeah. He was just on everything. In the in the uh, Evil Knievel, do they showcase his like crystal cane that he would keep wild turkey in? Yes, yeah. there is specific that's why i I, that's what i liked about the movie is the specifics in it actually taught me about evil knievel like he was he accidentally got into jumping over cars on a motorcycle when a rodeo wasn't doing well (laughs) according to this movie yeah they're like well i know how to get more attendance at your rodeo i'm gonna jump this motorcycle over a car and people that went really well you should do more cars like it just became but he was a very unlikable uh, character in it. Yeah. Uh, but the early yeah, days sure of thrill seeking. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had to find it where you could. The thrills. And yeah. sometimes it was at a rodeo. <laughs> Chad, Chad Pastrana would not have had anything to do in those days. They were still trying to figure out what, you know, how to dive off of shit and jump and things. So evil was on the forefront. Yeah, that Travis Pastrana is maybe the most. I call him Chad. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he's a real Chad, though. I mean, when you look at his face, he's a Chad. Maybe even a Chaz. Yeah, yeah. Travis is more like, uh, you know, he travels at least. Uh, 
But yeah, yeah, he he's the most he's the Tony Hawk of that motocross. Like he he can be on a talk show and answer questions and be right charismatic. But he is a lunatic. Uh, one time, Jordan, the guy I worked with, with they did like a thumb wrestling thing as a gimmick. We always had to, and for no reason at all, and I still don't understand it. Uh, during the I declare a thumb war, right at the he just punched Jordan in the nose what and jordan didn't miss a beat and turned the camera and and did the outro for the segment as blood came down oh to each God. nostril <laughs> and i think we aired it and it probably scared a lot of parents but uh Pro's I, pro. after that i was like oh this guy's he's just a thrill seeker he was trying to yeah. seek thrills by punching he's like listen man the- i was just trying to get your adrenaline up yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm an I'm an adrenaline junkie, even when it when it's someone else. Yeah, that guy. After that, he made me nervous all the time, and oh. I always had to be in the same room as that guy. Well, yeah, because you're going like, uh, at what point will he decide it's time to punch me for fun? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, one time in Vegas, I went as a magician, kind of a Siegfried and Roy magician, uh, and interviewed these guys because the Nitro Circus was in Vegas, and they. All of them wanted to fight me. They didn't know who I really was. I was really in character. And uh, I was like, you guys know that I'm doing a thing right now. I I would bail on it and like turn off the cameras. Hey, this is how I really talk. I respect motocross. I skateboard. Yeah. You can stop flexing your jowls and your fists while you talk to me because I'm picking up on how angry you're getting. And then they'd snap out of it. I'm like, okay. Back to the magician character. Yeah. like, I, And then slowly yeah, they get wound back up and you'd have to remind them again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Remember what I said when we turned the cameras off? I don't have a lot of uh, memory of the previous. I've hit my head a lot. I was just thinking yeah, about the holding a Roman candle. One of those metal militia guys boxed uh, Dave Mira, a BMX guy that sadly passed away, but they both trained. And there was a boxing match, and I think Mike Tyson trained them. It actually ended up being an amazing boxing match. Two guys that a year prior to that had no knowledge of boxing, and they got really good. But uh, yeah, I interviewed the, uh, I can't remember the metal militia guy's name. But yeah, at the end of it, he punched me in the stomach. Mm. Like they just, I just remembered I got punched by those motocross guys like to punch you. (laughs) <laughs> during interviews man it's the- uh it's it, it's everyone has a different you know love language or whatever but it just seems a little weird that the uh <laughs> these adrenaline junkies have to physically assault people it is their love language <laughs> they, that was just how they were letting me know they they were somewhat attracted to me <laughs> yes it's like it reverts back to the earliest days on the playground at recess yes <laughs> it was like uh when the girl yeah. that i like used to steal my hat and i thought she was being mean yeah she really just wanted to kiss me <laughs> didn't you travis pastrana you wanted to kiss me on the mouth didn't you <laughs> uh, he needs to come clean other than uh, golfing during this thing, what have you been getting into? Mm. Hobbies? No. Uh, let's see, man. Uh, you know, oh. recording the old podcast. I, I think I've told you, I, you know, I spent about the first six or eight months, you know, making sure I drank about 15 beers every night. Yeah. And then I realized that that wasn't going to be a sustainable uh, hobby for me. Well, Georgia, did she stop? She like decided not to she has, for a while. Right? Yeah, yeah, so she's she's not doing it right now. Uh, so I'm that sort would of in, make me yeah yeah in solidarity at home. I'm I'm not. I do obviously when I when I golf or if I'm out of the house, sure. you know, um, which has been good anyway. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was definitely because you know I think early days pandemics like I don't really know what's going on and just stuck at home so it's five o'clock let's just do it you know That's yeah i think a lot of people were doing that it it was so similar to my normal life where i'm just waiting for shows at night that i was right away and i was scared i was scared about i'm like do i need to outfit my car right. for uh traveling across the country do i need to buy gas canisters do right. I, i'm gonna work out i i bought all this gym equipment rubber bands and stuff <laughs> and i was watching videos and i was like i'm not gonna drink i'm just but i was alone i was like kind of going i didn't have a voice of reason with like hey it's gonna be okay you can have a sip of wine let's just <laughs> i i thought it would un, 
unwrap, or, you know, I'd, I'd go off in some weird direction. So I was doing such a good job in the beginning. Yeah. And it wasn't until I start to see everything getting back to normal and others thriving and and getting back to working that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start drinking again. <laughs> I'm going to create my own obstacle. Yeah. They're, they're, I don't know why. Everyone I'm else has way. sorted it out. Now it's my turn to. Yeah, if other people are doing something, I don't like it anymore. Kind of <laughs> like Red Hot Chili Peppers. I I really like that band. And then once they had a song on the radio, I'm like, boy, they suck. That's a bad example because they do indeed suck now. But you know what I mean. <laughs> the other weird thing is, so I, um, I've i kind of always been into trading cards, baseball, basketball, hockey, stuff like that. And I don't know if it's the pandemic or what what happened it definitely happened during the pandemic where they just have gone insane in popularity where oh, yeah where like on a national level like target doesn't sell them in the store anymore walmart doesn't because people were being crazy but like as part of that like a box of cards that cost let's say fifty dollars in 2019 now cost 150 or something like everything oh, wow. has just gone insane and I don't know, I don't know if people were home and then I was reading articles like, well, the card values are outpacing the like stock market. So people are investing in cards rather than that. I, oh, I, I don't wow. know, but it's, yeah, uh, I think that is classically a hobby. I think older folks are probably getting back into stamps. I, and I was, I was, I was keeping it to myself a little bit, uh, but I, I got into miniatures and I found out a lot of people like Sarah Schaefer made a oh, miniature I saw that. Uh, comedy. It's unbelievable. So like yeah. it is, it is professional level. I, I still, if you, if you don't know Sarah Schaefer, she, her and Nikki Glazer at a podcast together. She's a great comic, but on the side, I think she just got into it in the past year. Like I did, but. Yeah. She made a working, a comedy club with like a little menu, like Green every room. little detail. But but yeah, but from scratch. Yeah. Like I think she built the walls out of masonite and right. and measure and built. I used a kit and then modified my little kit. But she started from scratch, and it's go to her Instagram if you uh, are interested. And in, a lot of people are interested in it. I yeah. found because I think I was talking about it a little bit before. I was into it before the pandemic. It, I just wasn't actively making stuff, but people were always bringing me tiny little things. Mm -hmm. Here's a little Coke bottle. Here's so I have accumulated many miniature accessories. But so, uh, do you paint them, or what? What's the? No, it's not like the figures, or because uh, I'm into that too. And I, when I was a kid, I was into train sets. I wanted a train set like in Arthur, where his train set is his alarm and he wakes right. up to it that i always thought was so cool little ice skaters and stuff yeah no i i think this is more like i'm into backgrounds of animation like wallace and gromit okay like, tiny you know one twelfth size brick walls and stuff like that Got it. like okay i i i'm just into it okay. i always have been even when i was a kid i want my dad and i to i'm like i want to make a this the, uh, a dollhouse, I think. And he's like, what about a uh, Wild West uh, facade, like a mercantile? Yeah. And like, he, yeah. I think he was scared that I wanted to play with dolls. But I've stressed this before. I'm not into the dolls. I just like where they live. <laughs> and I like tiny furniture. What a shame it's, that you have to even qualify that. You know what? I don't anymore. I like dollhouses. And uh, if someone gave me some dolls, I would maybe position them in the little rooms that I've built and probably enjoy them. Maybe get a little sewing machine and make some clothes. <laughs> the best part would be outfitting them. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a buddy who makes who will occasionally make um, like paper dolls, which is all, all really, really cool to me. Just like the ability to sort of do that shit. But, you know. I was thinking maybe that because I was going to make a little claymation old guy in my library here, like grabbing a book, just try and learn animation. But I was thinking pieces of paper would maybe be easy to manipulate. And to, so maybe I should do paper dolls. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got to get into it. I keep putting it off. I keep going outside and and getting sun. <laughs> no. It's getting in the way of my indoor time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to spend a little more time in there. Getting acquainted. Well, I'm. Are you 
uh, we might be golfing tomorrow together, right? Are you golfing I'm, tomorrow? I'm golfing tomorrow. Just the not both, but but the early. I'll be there. Yeah, I got. I'm just doing the early. Early the next three yeah. days. Well, I'll I'll see you soon. Awesome. And uh, it might as well wrap up here. Yeah, we've done long enough. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that I've gotten to know you uh, this year. Uh, yeah, man, it's been awesome, and I and I appreciate you having me on here as well. But uh, very cool uh, finding out who Chris Fairbanks is after all this time. Yeah, good good finding out about the mysterious Vince. <laughs> cool, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for being on. You've been listening to Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N-A-R. That's, I've always uh, done that, Vince. That's the uh, kind of the outro. Cool, man. Usually at the end, I honked. <laughs> <laughs> honk, honk. Oh, yeah, I didn't do the honk, honk. <laughs> Are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be doesn't matter how much baggage you claim Give us a time and date Terminal and gate We wanna send you off in style We wanna welcome you back home Tell us all about it Were you scared or was it fine? Mouth horn <laughs> Uh, with Karen and Chris.